I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, October 28th, 2022, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in about seven minutes. You know what I love, Jay? What? I love the census because there's so much fun data in it. And here's a new point that we got from the census that 34.6% of Canadians, they have no religious affiliation. And that's the most irreligious Canadians ever and twice as many as there were in 2001. So I guess my first question is, and this is a personal question, Jay, you don't, don't speak for the crowd. Don't speak for the peak pals. One, are we going to hell? And two, what are, what's going on? What, what do you think is the driver behind all of this? The go to hell question, potentially. But I guess you'd have to be one of the people that are not part of the 34.6 to believe that. That seems like a high number, and it's actually double what it was, you know, 20-something years ago. So that's, it seems like a high number. I don't think it means we're going to hell, but it, it, I don't know what it means. But it, I think it means something. Do you think it means something? It definitely means something. And I think my bigger concern would be is that churches were these gathering places that everyone would go to on Sundays. In your case, you know, you, uh, on, you'd have Shabbat, you know, but, and it was like a whole thing where, you know, you would kind of get together and there's a whole community built around it. And then now we've lost that community. And so I think it's very important that we just take a second to step back and figure out how we can rebuild that type of community again. Because I think that's, I think that's very much missing from society right now. Not to get too philosophical in the intro here. Well, you, you kind of did. And I, now you're having all the people pals pondering their religiosity. Brett, that seems like a big number, but we'll, maybe we'll get to it on a different day in a deep dive podcast. Aside from the irreligiosity of Canadians, what do we have for Peak Pals today? Well, I agree, Jay. It's a bit of a downer episode. We were talking about this before. For our first story, Canada's nurses are heading south. For our second story, YouTube is certifying healthcare practitioners. That's not so much of a downer. It's kind of interesting. And for our last story, Canadian household incomes have dropped and they've dropped a lot. For our first story, in the midst of a healthcare worker shortage, Canada's nurses are heading south of the border, namely the U.S., where they won't have to deal with the disaster zone that is Canadian healthcare. I guess they're off to greener pastures. Brett, yesterday we talked about immigration to Canada. What's going on with this emigration of nurses out of Canada? This is a pretty interesting trend. The number of Canadian nurses approved to work in the U.S. has doubled over the last five years as they seek less strenuous working conditions and higher pay. This exodus of nursing talent shows no sign of stopping. So far this year, about 1,700 Canadian nurses have applied to transfer their credentials to work in the U.S. Now, pay problems are especially acute in Ontario due to the allegedly unconstitutional Bill 104, which caps wage growth for public sector workers like nurses to 1% a year for three years. Brett, here's why it matters. From Thunder Bay to Winnipeg to Fredericton, healthcare professionals are flooding the news with horror stories of overflowing hospitals and staff shortages. Healthcare had over 109,000 job vacancies in Q2, a 23% increase from the year prior, and the second most of any sector behind only food services, which as much as we love grabbing a bite, that's far less concerning to me. Although, you know, the, when the Tim Hortons weren't allowing walk-in pickups, that was annoying. Yeah, it's, it really disrupts your day, Brett. Well, children's hospitals are the latest to feel the pressure of widespread staffing shortages as they deal with an unprecedented surge in demand during a nasty flu season. One hospital head said that the nation's children's hospitals, quote unquote, weren't built for this kind of demand, leading to an uptick in vital planned operations being canceled. That's not great. That's not great. Over half the children in Canada requiring surgical procedures were waiting beyond the recommended window for surgery before this recent surge. And here's what's next. A united front of provincial and territorial governments launched a new campaign lobbying the feds for increased funding for their respective healthcare systems. But more money is only part of the equation to attract talent and maintain the system. 
for a second story from exercising organs to hacking menstrual cycles. There's a ton of terrible medical advice on the internet. You can Google whatever symptom you have and you'll find lots of it, which is why YouTube is moving to certified channels of licensed professionals like doctors, nurses, or therapists who produce health-related content. And Brett, they're doing this because about 80% of people look for healthcare information online, according to the National Institute of Health. Since most qualified medical professionals don't have a massive YouTube following, presumably they're busy giving healthcare advice in real channels, it leaves room for untrained people to spew out advice online. There's a growing trend of healthcare professionals who create content that quote-unquote debunks incorrect advice, but it's hard for everyday people to assess what's true and what's not. Last year, YouTube introduced a label for healthcare professionals working for institutions like schools, public health departments, hospitals, and governments. Now, the company is now expanding the program to all U.S.-based health creators who will earn both a certification label and a one-way ticket to the top of search results. Congratulations to them. That's pretty good. Pretty good one-way ticket. But it's not yet clear whether those certified by the program will be able to monetize from YouTube in the way someone else could, which rewards the most engaging, often meaning polarizing and or controversial, content to increase views. Picture this. Mr. Beast, but for healthcare, Jay. I would follow Mr. Beast for healthcare. They're giving away free medication, and it's just getting millions of views. Look, let's zoom out on this. YouTube's new guidelines prohibit posting, quote-unquote, misinformation that may cause harm to an individual's health, such as misleading information about medical treatments. But as we've seen with the surge in TikTok medical advice, that may prove difficult to enforce. Dr. TikTok, here to help. For our third story, household wealth in Canada dropped by $900 billion in Q2 of this year, according to RBC Economist, the largest quarterly drop on record, driven mainly by a tumbling housing market. Brett, that seems like a huge number. How did this happen? That's a billion for each of us. Both Jay and I lost a billion dollars last year, by the way. If you were wondering, the pandemic did for Canadian net worth what a balanced breakfast did for Barry Bonds, especially for homeowners who reap the rewards of an all-time real estate bonanza. All told, Canadians added $3.9 trillion in wealth between the end of 2019 and the end of Q1 of this year, as the average value of a home skyrocketed by 52%. And this is what's driving the news right now. So the party has come to an end as the great quantitative tightener, Tiff McElmore, as we call him here on the Peak Daily, TMAC, has crushed housing prices with interest rate hikes that apparently won't stop anytime soon. Canada has over 50% chance of a housing market crash per Oxford economics, making it the most likely country to face one alongside our friends in Sweden and New Zealand. 50-50. I like my odds. It's like uh, putting all your chips on black. By year's end, wealth levels will have fallen by $1.1 trillion from pandemic highs, creating a so-called quote-unquote negative wealth effect that will contribute to a $15 billion drop in household spending next year. Which is why this all matters. RBC didn't mince words. When it said what this means, saying plainly, quote unquote, this is one of the factors that will drive Canada into a recession early next year. RBC with the rosy predictions, Brett. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. And before we go, Jay, we love to celebrate some big accomplishments and milestones by our Peak Pals. And so I did want to send a special congratulations to Malik on the sale of his company, Nora Pharma. What an incredible accomplishment. I'd love to sell a company, Jay. Wouldn't that be nice? But congratulations to Malik. And we wish you nothing but the best on your on your journey. Kudos, Malik. And if you've got a second, Malik and anybody else, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and 
leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, you may have forgot, I once bought one of your companies. Yeah, I did forget <laughs> that, Jay. That's, that's exactly, what, I did forget that. That's correct. It was a huge four-figure deal. Brett, have a good day. 